0: Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making, be inspired by their story and enlightened by their, by their leadership, insight and advice. Welcome back to another episode of When Hers United, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and I truly appreciate you listening in. This is season nine, episode eight, entitled, Trauma is Subjective with Dr. Fanike Young. Before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you more about me and When Hers United, the podcast. I believe that success leaves clues. And When Hers United, the podcast was created to give you the clues you need to succeed in business, mindset, personal development, and self-care. These are the four pillars we stand on here at Win United, which is why they are emphasized so we can all live a complete and fulfilled life, both personally as well as professionally. If it's not too much to ask, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Then write us a review. As a thank you, I'll be giving shout-outs on future episodes to those that take a moment to do this. Now, without further ado, let's get into season nine, episode eight, entitled Trauma is Subjective with Dr. Fanike Young. All right, we're back with another amazing, winning woman of color entrepreneur. So Dr. Fanike, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. So before we hear from Dr. Fanique, I'm going to let you know more about her. So Dr. Fanique Young is a doctor of behavioral health, a licensed trauma therapist, master Reiki practitioner, and holistic spiritual and energy intuitive. She uses her personal experiences of healing from trauma with her clinical and educational training to lead women entrepreneurs on the path to removing mental, emotional, financial, physical, and spiritual blocks rooted in hurtful experiences from childhood. Dr. Fanique helps her clients reach their full potential by eliminating cycles of negative thinking, limiting beliefs, and unhappiness. And in addition to all of this, Dr. Fanique is also a department chair for the doctoral program at Cummings Graduate Institute.
1: Yay! (laughs) <laughs> you make me sound so great. Listen,
0: all I did was read the thing. You did all the things, right? Okay. So let's talk business. All right, Doctor Finigue. So let's get started by you telling us about how you got to where you currently are in business.
1: So long road. So as you know, many service providers usually we have a personal connection to what it is that we do and why we do it. So for myself, I am in this field of therapy and healing because I believe I was born a healer. I've been diagnosing myself since I was young and also making medicine, helping people, always been that person, but also a personal history of just trauma from childhood, starting at the age of four I was seeing a man be murdered and then at six witnessing domestic violence in the home for the first time between my mom and my dad and then losing my father at six as as well after he threatened to kill my mother. So from all of that and then, you know, just growing up and having this spirit of I think I just became a protector Mm -hmm. and just wanting to help people that couldn't help themselves. And I think a lot of it was rooted in, you know, just childhood and witnessing a lot of the things that that my sister and I witnessed. So that's why I'm here.
0: <laughs> All right. I always love the story of taking your pain and turning it into a purpose. Right. So, you know, nothing is ever in vain, even if it's an unfortunate situation. Right.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's a hard thing for people to conceptualize and to come to terms with I will say that one of the most difficult things for me was my father had just, you know, physically assaulted my mom. My sister and I were there and he threatened to come back and kill her. Hmm. And the next day we went to school, uh, you know, as if nothing had happened, never talked about it. At least I don't remember talking about it and came home from school. I go to my grandmother's house like I normally did because we were latchkey kids. My mom worked 12 to 14 hour days. And so this time though, my mom is at my grandmother's house and she calls me in the kitchen when I come to the house and she says, your dad died. Mm -hmm. And when he died, they happened to find a weapon on him. He had a gun on him. So I would assume that his intentions were to come back and kill her. So the crazy thing is that I didn't, you know, really understand the spiritual part of that until I was older. So for a long time in childhood, you know, just carrying, you know, the loss, the anger, the, you know, just the grief, his last words to me that, you know, I'm coming back to get you. And so just kind of like carrying all of that, blaming myself for the abuse that my mom had to endure because I always felt like, well, if I wasn't here, then that would have never happened. But when I got older, you know, I really started to think about it, you know, just think about the loss, think about everything. And it was like, wow, like he had to die. Because if he did not you know, he what if he was successful in coming back to kill my mom? And then, you know, where would my sister and I be? You know, what would that even look like? Because he would either be in jail or dead himself or on the run. So I wouldn't be with him and then she would have been gone. And so, you know, what would that have looked like? So I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And a large part of my acceptance of that was understanding that hey, you've gone through all this stuff because you're meant to help people go through their stuff. And if I didn't have that perspective, then I think maybe I would not have been able to overcome and move forward with my life because then I would still be holding on to, well, why did this happen to me? Why is my life like that? You know, so I think perspective, it makes a huge difference in how we're able to stomach things and move forward in our lives.
0: Right. I totally agree. You said something that made me want to touch on a subject, right? Because I know for me personally, like I didn't realize for a long time the trauma that I went through personally, the trauma that I inflicted on my kids unknowingly, just kind of repeating those cycles, right? Like you said, I went through some stuff. Right. And I think that's how people may categorize it. Right. And not realize that it's trauma. So my spirit is leading me to just want to kind of touch on what does trauma even mean or what does it look? You know what I'm saying? Like for a person that may just think, oh, this is just my life and not realize right. that. No, this is trauma.
1: So the thing is that I always say people in their stuff. And that's exactly what I say, because I think when people hear trauma, they think that their lives must have mirrored some of the things that, for example, that I've been through, where it's like, you know, witnessing murder and domestic violence and death. And, you know, and sometimes it's just not that serious as far as like what it looks like. So, you know, one of my favorite rappers is Jay-Z and I'm I'm from Brooklyn. So, you know, I just, I love Jay-Z. So, (laughs) and he's just phenomenal. But anyway, Jay-Z is one of my favorite rappers and Jay-Z always tells this story about his uncle And he tells the story how, you know, he's at the kitchen table, you know, rapping. And he tells his uncle, like, I'm going to be a rapper and I'm going to, you know, sell my, I think back then we had tapes. I'm going to sell my tapes and, you know, people are going to buy my tapes and I'm going to be like this superstar. And his uncle pretty much is like, no, you're not. Who's going to listen to you? Who's going to buy your tapes? Like, you know, who's going to buy your music, right? Who are you to become so great pretty much, right? And the thing is that in that moment, right? in that moment all dependent on how he processed that information this could have gone a whole another way for him you know like he would not be who he is you know if he would have taken what his uncle said and took it to heart and said you know what he's right i can't you know do all this stuff so i might as well just quit now right instead of it became a driving force for him so what i would say is that trauma is anything that changes, alters us physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and in a negative way. And so another way that, you know, think about this is if you and I are both involved in minor car accidents, right? You're your car, I'm in my car. And you stop at a light, I stop at a light, and someone hits us from the rear, right? And what if, I'm able to get out, exchange information, get in my car, go about my day, never ever think about the incident again. But what if you now are scarred? And so every time you stop at a light, you're looking at your rearview mirror. You're wondering if the car behind you is going to stop. You're looking, you tense up, your body tenses. You start to become anxious, right? And so for you, that minor car accident was traumatic because it has all altered your perspective. It has altered you physically. It causes your body to tense up. It causes you to have anxiety. It causes you to have these thoughts, right? Like, oh my gosh, this person may hit me. So that is traumatic for you. You know, no one can say, hey, that's nothing. You know, why are you even worried about that? Trauma is different for everyone and there's different levels of it. And so even in my book that I just wrote, what the F is your problem? Becoming an active worker in healing your trauma. One of the young ladies talks about how she was on autopilot and she's like going through life as most of us do. And she goes to take this national exam and she fails the exam. And in that moment, that's traumatic for her because it let her know that, you know what? You can't do all of the things. You're doing too much. You're not, you know, you got to sit. It was a reality check. So it altered her perspective of herself and it shifted the way in which she was able to approach. And she had like this whole breakdown after that. So for her, that was traumatic. For someone else, it may not have been. So I would say for me, that's, you know, what trauma is. I don't think, and people do it all the time, they try to compare, you know, their traumas. And I'm very clear when I tell my story and I share my story with people, hey, your life doesn't have to look like mine for it to be considered, you know, traumatic. That can be verbal abuse, that can be hearing certain things right now. We have a lot of, you know, it's war, it's killings on like, you know, we have a lot of exposure, high exposure to a lot of negative events and all of that can be considered some form of trauma, vicarious trauma, social trauma, you know, by seeing other people go through pain, that can be traumatic uh, for you and that's even in the diagnostic statistic manual which, you know, says witnessing someone else, you know, be hurt or witnessing someone else go through something is also traumatic for the person that's seeing it.
0: Ooh, that that was a lot. Right. And I like the. Just the breakdown, right, of it looks different for everyone, like I think that's a word in itself, right. And we are in a world of comparison, right? So just to to relay that message, I love that. Thanks for breaking that down. Look, that was off the script, y'all. Y'all know how I go. I go off the script every now and again, right? Dr. Finike don't know my script, but I went off, but I liked it. So, So going back right to the script. So I know one of your specialties is helping your clients get things done by shifting their energy. And I feel like as entrepreneurs, there's always something to get done, right? So can you talk to us more about this? So everything is energy. Everything,
1: you know, Einstein said it, when we look at our greatest, you know, spiritual masters, that's how I look at them, you know, Plato and Shakespeare and, you know, Einstein is on a list. And so when we look at them, energy was like huge. They talked about energy a lot, right? And so everything is energy, including us, right? That means that when something happens or if something happens, right? we can have these blocks in our energy flowing. So the thing about energy is it can't be created or destroyed, right? But it can be altered. And so when something happens in your life, it alters your energy, right? A thought alters your energy. It sends out, you know, energy, thoughts become things. And so, you know, if you have a certain thought and let's say it's negative and let's say I'm like, hey, I'm really trying to manifest this great job, but in my head, I'm like, I'm never going to get this job. I'm not even qualified enough for this job, right? What you're doing is sending out, you know, like this energy, like that to the universe that says, no, you can't get this because your energy is saying that, no, you know, I'm not going to get it. So your thoughts send out energy, your feelings, the things that you say, your words, everything carries a vibration. And so like, we have to be extremely careful about what. We put out there how we do things, what we say, some of us we just speak so negatively without even thinking about it, and so then we're always like, "Well, gosh, nothing ever happens to me. that's great. you know instead of, "Wow, you know i I left the house and and made it in time to my appointment. That's great. It's understanding that you know everything is energy, and so when you think about that, right, when you think about that then it's like, you know what? I really need to watch what I say. I really need to watch what I think. I really need to watch how I speak to myself, right? I have to be super conscious about, you know, how I respond to people. And I think if everyone thought about it that way, we would have a much better world because we would be really conscious about the way in which we interact with other people. because. It's an energy, you know, it's since everything is energy. We're all connected, right? We're all connected. So that's why someone can say something to you and it can change your whole mood. It can change your whole day because we're all connected. That's why you can walk into a room and feel like, eh, the vibes in here or vibrations, vibes is short for vibration. The vibe in here is not, you know, it's not good. It doesn't feel good, right? And that's because we're all connected. That's why you can feel other people. That's why you can feel like something's going on with somebody else, right? Because we are all connected. So, what I do is I work with women to remove those blocks, right? So that their energy is flowing and they're in flow, they're in abundance, they are in manifestation mode. Because when they have blocks, right? And it can be, hey, they had a breakup or something happened, you know, at work, there was some workplace trauma, or it can be that there was a loss, you know. Or something's going on with their money. So let's move those blocks. But all of it starts with their thoughts and their feelings and the way in which they look at
0: the situation. We have to shift that and how they look at themselves. I like that. Look, you're speaking to my heart. One of the first talks that I gave was a talk called The Power of Your Mentality and Your Words. Because literally, I spoke becoming a teenage parent into existence I spoke losing my virginity at 13 years old into existence, right? Like it it was a time when I took a step back and realized all of the things that I had spoke that weren't necessarily things that I wanted, right? And then also at the same time, I looked at my thoughts and realized that in a lot of ways, I thought positive about certain things. And that's how I was able to, as a teenage parent, go straight through college, four years with a computer science degree, whereby people that didn't have a child, uh, own apartment, full time job, weren't able to do the same thing. So I had all of these different dynamics going. So, oh, my goodness, I love that and totally relate to it. I've even did the the research on like water and how, you know, because we're made of water. Right. And how our body is made of water. And when you talk to water in certain ways or, you know, when you do the rice experiment and see what happens with that. So, so true. Right. And super important. I get on people's nerves with my corrections. I'll call them when I hear people and they're like, my back is killing me. And i be like, no, it's hurting. Like, you know, just simple. (laughs) I don't like like I have to (laughs) fight back from even correcting strangers that I hear. Right. Because once you learn how important it is and how powerful we are, then it's like, are you going to do something about it? You know, and I don't just want to do something about it for myself. I want other people to know, too. Yeah, we
1: have a three-year-old and he's not allowed to say, I'm sorry. You know, he says, he he can say my apologies, but we don't let him say, I'm sorry. So we don't teach him that. So, you know, even with him, like starting just from young and being just very clear about, hey, your words, they have meaning. You know, like you have to be like super, that's why I'm I'm so anal about my name. You know, it's like, no, that's not my name. And actually my name is Ifanike. And it means God is fond of. And so when people mispronounce my name, I'm like, hold on, it's Fanny K. <laughs> you know, like we have to, you know, and if the person's, you know, Nigerian, then they'll say Fanny K. But, you know, it's important. You know, our names have meanings, right? And our names carry an energy. And so, like, you have to be super protective about how people label you and what they call you and their intention behind what they say, you know, because it matters. And I'm with you there. Like, no, you will not, you know, address me like that. And I'm I'm just super conscious, you know, especially like when I hear kids, whether it's my kids or somebody else's kids. And I'm like, (laughs) and you know, that correction is important. Like we we have to do that because, you know, again, we're all
0: connected. So we have to look out for one another and make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. I like that. Look now, you about the hell because my son always saying I'm sorry. And something about it just bothers me. Right. Mm-hmm. So look, now you gotta look. I got a project number one. I have homework, y'all. I got homework. I hope you taking notes and get some homework, too. Listen. All right. So you... <laughs> listen, I'm serious. Huh? All right. So you talked about your book. You mentioned your book. Right. So first of all, congratulations on your recent book. Thank right. Thank you. You're welcome. So tell us what it's about and what inspired you to write it.
1: So the book has actually been in the makings for some time. And it's crazy because when we talk about, you know, just energy and then growth. And so I had this idea to write a book like people were telling me, hey, you need to write a book like years and years and years ago. But I realized I wasn't ready. And it's just because the way in which this book was written and the topics that the book focuses on, I wasn't there, you know, years ago. It would have been like really premature. For me to write it back then, so this book is about women that have endured different types of traumas, from miscarriages and to grief and loss, losing parents, to infidelity in their relationships, to you know the woman I talked about with the test failing a test, to going through a divorce, through being in an abusive relationship, and it goes through like all these different types of traumas, but. The key thing about it is how the women recovered, right? So how did they become active workers in their healing? So the traumas are important. They're important. But the biggest part for me, right, the most important part of the book is about what did you do to start actively working on your healing? And I was very intentional when writing this book because I could have written a book, you know, based in like academia and, you know, and it it could have had all the jargon and it could have, you know, done all. The, and it does. It has some of that where, you know, I'm, I'm explaining certain concepts to the reader because they may not have a psychological background. But my goal was for the, you know, everyday person, the person that doesn't necessarily have all the certifications and the trainings to be able to take this and use it as a tool to say, you know what, I've been through that, or I know how that feels, or I've experienced that. And, oh, these are some things that I can do right now to, you know, if I want to start healing without me even having to reach out to someone. And so I even explain how in there, professionals like myself, we're tools, right? We're tools, but the healing comes from the person. So it's so key that, you know, that person is ready to even embark on that healing journey. I'm just a tool, a part of the healing. You know, I'm just there to help, to guide and to lead and to lend my expertise. But I'm not the one that heals you. You are actually the person who heals you. And so the book was created for, you know, that purpose to really help people and teach them, you know, how to heal and to also empower them And knowing that, hey, you can heal yourself, you know, like you can start, you can do this, you know, and I share my story because I think for me, it's like I've been through all this stuff and I still was able to push through and decide that I wanted to heal. Hey, I want you to do the same. And so, you know, like I want you to go on this journey. And that's one of my goals in life. And I know that, you know, that's a part of my purpose and my mission is to help others to heal as many people as I can, you know, just in the world, because it's so needed. And it brings me joy to know that I can use the things that I've been through to in that way to help other people.
0: All right. I love that. It's so funny as you were talking. So I know you see me looking down. Right. But I'm writing notes. Right. As I listen, I write notes and I wrote your healing is your responsibility. And I actually wrote that before you said we're the tool but it's the person's responsibility, right? And I think that's super important to highlight because I know a lot of times just from my personal experiences dealing with people or even dealing with myself, it's easy to want to blame other people or fault other people whereby I feel like some people don't realize that, yeah, other people may have been involved, but no one else can do the work for you you know you right. have to do the work even if it was your parents even if it was you know your spouse your ex-spouse whoever it was right like at the end of the day you are responsible for you and getting to whatever place you want to be in your life I mm-hmm. also wanted to highlight something you said which I think was a gem right where you talked about the book was a long time in the making but if you would have wrote it in the past it would have been premature right so what I wrote down was in due time, because I know I feel like you was talking to me like a lot of times, Y'all be up in my business. Y'all guess y'all be coming up in here talking straight to me. Right. A lot of things that I know is in me, you know, and I get frustrated as to like, why haven't I done this yet? Or it should be there yet. But I feel like that was a word in itself specifically for me and for whoever else is out there listening that can relate. Right. That now may not be the time because it may be premature to where you haven't gotten to the place you need to get to to deliver that message the way it needs to be delivered. So in due time, it shall come to be if it's supposed to come to be, right? So I think that's a word. That's a word.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I think for myself, when I did, you know, decide like, hey, yeah, I want to write a book, but I hadn't really come half circle. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't really gotten to the other side, and so you know, things look very different now. And I just, I have a different appreciation for my life and, you know, the experiences and the lessons and the people. And I've been able to help, you know, so many people to this point that I'm able to take that and reflect. And so you said something, you know, oftentimes, you know, even when I'm working with people and I'm I'm speaking to these women and I'm talking to them, But I'm absorbing, you know, what I'm saying to them. And in my head, I'm like, okay, this is why you're here. You know, this is why you're working with me. It is about me helping them to heal. But again, you know, I'm so big on, you know, we have what we need to heal ourselves. And so when I'm speaking to them, I'm listening like, ah, I need to apply that you know, to my life or, hey, you know, oh, that was good. You know, you, you need to start doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it really made me think about that. And that's I think that's important. You know, when we think about just life and how things happen and why certain people come into, you know, your sphere. You know, it's I think it be conscious of that.
0: Right, right. I like that. I like that. So I heard always be open to growing and learning, right? Like that's what stuck out to me in relation to that. And I can attest to that, especially with this podcast, right? Like I started the podcast to help other people. I had no idea, right? Like this was for me, like this for y'all. But this guy had a different plan in mind because this podcast has helped me grow so much, right? So I love that. And I do totally agree. Now, let's talk mindset. So when we spoke previously, you mentioned mental health readiness and talked about how it's an important aspect to entrepreneurship. So can you tell us, number one, what mental health readiness is and then give us any of your experiences or advice in this area?
1: So the thing is that there are, you know, there's different parts of us. So there's your physical health, there's your mental health, there's your spiritual health, your energetic health, your financial health. There's all these different parts to us. And I think sometimes that mental health piece kind of gets put last. So we, you know, we focus on our money. We focus on, you know, we go to the doctor, we go to church or we worship or, you know, go to a place of spiritual uh, purpose. We, you know, as far as like we'll work out we'll go to the gym. You know, we'll do those things. But when it comes to managing our you know, mental health, I feel like sometimes it's, you know, yeah, I'll get to it or, you know, I may do it or, you know, I may not, or I didn't feel like doing this or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so what happens is it gets put last. But what I found along my entrepreneurship journey, and I've been at this about 20 plus years, what I found along the way is that when the ish hit the fan with my trauma and the side effects of it, my business really began to suffer. Why? Because I couldn't show up. I couldn't show up for my clients the way I wanted to. I wasn't putting myself out there. I kind of shut down, and I went through a space of you know not wanting to be around people because I didn't want people to really see or see me. I didn't want them to see what I had been through. I didn't want to you know really you know discuss and share. And, And open up because I was just scared, you know? And so what happens when you enter this entrepreneurship journey, (laughs) there's so many highs and lows, right? There's so many, like, you know, you might have a great week and then, you know, for the next two weeks, not make yourselves. And in those moments, right, that's when all of the negative thinking and the limiting beliefs and, you know, I'm not good enough and Can I do this? And I should just shut this down. And this is not going to work. All that stuff starts creeping in. And if you are not, you know, managing or coping, you know, with your mental health and really minding your business, literally, then, you know, it's, (laughs) it will impact you or can impact you to the point that you give up because it can get very scary. You know, again, you can have those great you know, weeks or even great months. But then you can have some months that are kind of, you know, slow. And so if you're not doing or have a practice in place that you do, you know, every day, you know, for me, I start my day with affirmations. Like I'm listening to them. I'm in the mirror saying them. I'm repeating. Like, that's how I start my day. I go to, you know, going to the gym, which for me is mind work. It's physical work, but it's also mind work. Because when I'm at the gym and I'm, if I'm running, I'm like, Dumping, right? I'm literally like in my mind, like dumping stuff out. And you know, I'm like, you can do it, push through. Cause you know, those last couple, you know, like that half a mile at the end is like, woof, I'm be like, oh boy, I don't know if I could do this, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so mentally I'm like, go, you got it, do it, you know. But it's mind work, you know. So if you're not constantly, you know, doing that mind work, uh really strengthening that muscle, right? Then It can get the best of you. Your thoughts can get the best of you, right? So the pieces that people don't understand, 95% of our brain, right? 95% we operate in the subconscious, Okay, 5%, 5% operates in the conscious. What does that mean? That subconscious is where your trauma sits, your pain sits, the things that you've been through, your fear, all that stuff sits there. Right. And so that means that what the body does and the brain does and what it's supposed to do is when you enter into a new situation, then it kicks in like, hold up. This is Mm -hmm. different. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, hold on. And so then it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. And so that's 95 percent. (laughs) Right. That's 95 percent. That 5 percent. Boy, that 5 percent has to be tough to fight that 95 percent to say, you know what, I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to push through anyway. I hear you, but I can't listen to you right now, right? But it takes strength. It takes a lot of work. And so it's something that you have to do every day. And amazingly, you know, people call me and I'm sure they do this to other therapists as well. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to go to therapy for like, you know, three months and then it's going to all be great. No, right? No, And I tell people, you know, from myself, you know, almost 30 years later, After you know, enduring my first pieces or parts of you know trauma as young as four years old. So around 34 years old, when I just had really started to dig into my healing. So for 30 years, it was there and evolving and you know, lashing out and anger and resentment and and all that stuff, right? About five years later, you think 30 years I've gotten rid of, you know, I've got rid of that 30 years in about five, you get what I'm saying? Right. So what that means is that I am constantly working on my healing, right? Yes, me. I'm constantly working on my healing. And so that is the basis of the book. You know, like you have to be actively working on your healing. It's not something that you just do once and then you're good and it's all done. And I, am you know, no, you know, people come in and it's, you know, grief and loss and they've lost a period or they're grieving a, you know, relationship even. And I'm like, you guys have been together for 10 years. And now you're getting divorced and you think six months later, like you're going to be good. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, so it doesn't work like that, you know. So you have to constantly be telling yourself and reassuring yourself and affirming yourself. And, you know, so in business, it's the same thing. And actually, it is a requirement <laughs> that you do that. You know, like you have to because it doesn't always flow, you know, the way that you may quote unquote want it to flow but you
0: have to step fast and just keep going. <laughs> right, right. That was good. That was good. I can attest to <laughs> a lot of that, right? A story that I share often. So our loyal listeners, you know, this is a repeat of what you may have heard in the past. For me, first of all, even admitting that I was stressed and had a problem, like that was a hurdle to even get to, you know? And when I actually admitted. I had a problem. All these tears, just a floodgate of tears opened up. Right. And then I remember like deciding to journal. Right. Because journaling has been a big part of my healing. And for so long, I avoided journaling like the plague. Right. Like to the point where my aunt, she told me she was like, it was easier for you to go to graduate school and get your master's degree than it is for you to journal. I said, yeah, it was. It sure was. Look, that's just, you know, all I got to do is think and fix and write or whatever. Like this journaling, this is emotions. This is some deep stuff that I want to stay far away from. Right. So I think that you bringing up the point of putting it first. Right. And really just being intentional about it is super important because I feel like in our minds, we may think we want to heal or think we whatever, but you don't realize that's the last thing you really want to think about, you know, or actually take action toward, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's super... It's um, hard. Right.
1: It's hard, Listen. you know, and it's not easy. And that's why I tell people, you know, no, you you want me along with you on this journey because you will give up. Like, it's difficult, you know what I mean? And of course, you know, I'm realistic with people. Like, I've tried, stopped, tried, stopped. And you know, when it felt like I felt like that's a pain point that hurts right there. I don't really want to dig into that because it hurts. And, you know, I'm kind of comfortable in this pain and I'm comfortable with the ignorance and I'm I'm comfortable with, you know, it being like it is. And then it was like, okay, no girl, you gotta shift out of that. You know, it was uncomfortable. And I was like, oh one, this is a lot. I don't want to do this. Right. You know, so that is really what your therapist or your coach is there for to push you through. It's like being at a gym. You know, you can work out on your own, you know, great. But that trainer is that person. Remember, we reached that point, that last half a mile where you're like, nope, I'm good. I'm just going to stop running. <laughs> that trainer's like, nah, come on, screw screw. We got to go. We got to go. It's the same thing. And so, you know, that's why you get someone like me. You know, that's why you get someone to guide you in the process because it's easy to give up when things get hard. But if you have someone there that's keeping you and holding you accountable, then It's not so easy.
0: Right, right. That's a word. That's a word. And uh, the other word that stuck out to me was consistency, right? Like, and I think that that goes across all aspects, you know, and we could easily think about it when it comes to business practices. You know, I got to consistently get on social media. I have to consistently market. You know, I have to consistently do these lead calls to get these sales, right? But you have to consistently work on your mind. To get past that negativity and that imposter syndrome and that fear that shows up at every level, right? So I like that. All right. So I know shrinking is something that I've done in the past. Sometimes something that I still do, right? I know I'm not alone, right? Somebody out there, y'all know, you know, I hope y'all with me. Don't leave me out here by myself now, right? But I also know that this is an area that you successfully navigated in your life. So can we just talk about what shrinking looks like and how someone can overcome? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So oftentimes, and, you know, especially like my women entrepreneurs, like it's a lot of shrinking. It's a lot of wanting to hide, not wanting people to know how awesome they are and how great they are. And really it's about trying to make other people, you know, comfortable around them, you know, not wanting to stand out. I have a client right now, actually, that I'm working with. And she's done some amazing things in her career in marketing. Amazing. She's worked with like a national baseball team and everything. And she was told, oh, you're too young to be doing all this stuff. And, you know, no one's going to listen to you. You know, she was told these things. And so it caused her to play small. You know, if I just act like, you know, oh, it's OK, I'll just let's say get the coffees and, you know, just try to fit in because I don't want to stand out. Then I'll be okay. But what it caused her to do is to go into a place of depression. And it caused her to just feel like really unhappy and unsatisfied just in her life and in her career. And yeah, I've definitely done that. I'm an overachiever. No matter where I go, and even when I try not to, I'm always being cast for some type of leadership position. And, you know, I speak up and I express myself and I have great ideas. Quality improvement is like something that comes natural for me. And because of that, I have been, especially like even in my family, you know, I remember when going through school and, you know, bachelor's, master's, doctorate and training courses and all that. And, you know, oh, you still in school? Oh, boy, you going back to school? You know, like it's a bad thing. (laughs) Right. And so it caused me to kind of be like, dad, well, I can't even talk about, you know, like what's happening like in my world right now, because, you know, it's being viewed as negative. And so that's what we do, you know, when we feel like we're being judged and people are looking at us under a lens of scrutiny, then we try to hide, you know, we try to hide ourselves. And for me, it impacted my gifts. I am an intuitive. I am extremely empathetic. I'm a spiritual intuitive, an energy intuitive. I can do readings. It doesn't take a lot for me to pick up on what's going on people. I walk into a room and download so much information, you know, about people like at one time, right? to the point that my husband, he won't even like work with someone until he's like, oh, let me talk to you. Like, (laughs) right. And so, 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 you know, like that's one of my gifts, but for a long time, I suppressed it because I was like, people are going to think I'm weird, you know? And for a long time, people would be like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm a therapist. And that would just be it. But what would happen is people would come in to work with me and they're expecting me to just do talk therapy. Well, not really what I do. You know, I I don't just do talk therapy. So I was hiding myself, but guess what? I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy and I wasn't attracting the women to me that I meant and put here to work with. You know, I wasn't showing up and being in healing them the way that I really needed to heal them. I wasn't as effective as I know that I could be. You know, I make medicine. I know. I mean, I'm a healer, period. And so, you know, in hiding that and shrinking It wasn't it was a disservice to me, but it was also a disservice to the women, you know, that I was working with and the ones that I was supposed to work with. And so now, you know, I'm extremely comfortable and I'm like, well, you know, whoever doesn't like it, then well, but, you know, I'm extremely, you know, I'm a spiritualist. I, you know, I do energy work and I actually put those things first. Now, I don't even lead with I'm a therapist because I don't want people to assume that, you know, they're going to come to me and it's going to be you know, talk therapy and we're going to sit there and just talk. No, not not what we're going to (laughs) do. You know, I'm going to do some Reiki. We're going to talk about, you know, changing some of the things in your house. We're going to have you move some stuff around to create that energy flow. I'm going to have you, you know, some type of physical activity. I'm going to have you, you know, meditating. I'm going to have you doing salt baths. You know, I may send you an, an elixir for you to pour into your bath. You know, it all depends. And so all depends on the person. So, you know, crystals and I use... All of those pieces. And that's because everything that's in my toolkit, I feel like should be accessible when I'm working with my clients because my goal is to heal them. And so I don't have time to worry about, you know, what they're going to think or who's going to think what and people's judgments anymore. I just don't because I'm very clear on my purpose and why I'm here. And I have to honor that because if I'm not showing up and I'm, I'm not using those God-given gifts, right, then what were they given to me for? you know and i think that oftentimes we we hide who we are we hide those things about us because they make us stand out and it's like who the heck wants to stand out no 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 right so it's like no let me just stay in the bubble cuz it's comfortable for everyone else right but the thing is that when you step out you inspire other people to step out and so even people that may not like what i'm saying right as they're listening to me speak right now i know regardless of what they think of me or how they may feel about me, I'm sparking something inside of them to say, you know what? I might be hiding who I am, right? I might not be showing up 100% authentically as myself. And so you have to be unapologetically authentic and just be yourself. And in doing that, you shine regardless of what other people say and think, right? You shine, you stand out. And so I only work with certain clients. And even like when someone applies to work with me on my consultation form, you know, I ask, you know, hey, how do you feel about energy healing? Hey, how do you feel about feng shui? Hey, how do you feel? about like, You know, and that's because I want them to be very clear coming in that this is not just therapy. <laughs> that's a part of my training, but that's not who I am.
0: You done talked about some things as far as some stuff I need to work on personally. It's so funny. I literally had a conversation today in talking about wanting to fit in, right? Like that's something that I've dealt with for a long time. And it's so funny. So I have, I've had issues with alcoholism and drug abuse, right? So I went to a recovery program and I'll never forget one of the counselors in the recovery program. He told me, he said, Nicole, you'll never fit in because you were meant to stand out. Right. And it it could be a lonely place, though, you know, to stand out could be very lonely. Right. So it's totally understandable why, you know, you may not want it. Right. But I do agree. Like, even when you try to fit in, or I'm speaking for me, right. Even when I try to fit in, I still don't feel like I'm fitting in. Right. So it's still this place that I'm in. Right. So I heard you. Look, I heard you. Look, and that's what we're going to say. And the thing is that, you know, I
1: still, I can be in a room full of people and feel like I am completely alone, like I am the only person there. And, you know, my husband and I, we laugh a lot because we can go places and we, <laughs> we're we so not aware of what's happening around us. Like, we can't tell you, you know, who was there. We're like in our own world. Right. And that happens, you know, to me. It does. I, can t- I can't even tell you how many times it's happened, but I've come to a place of, you know, solace with it. Like I'm good with it now. It's like, oh, cool. You know, this is just not for me. But let me say what I've also found. What I've also found is since I have been unapologetically like speaking and sharing and, you know, saying like, this is what I do and this is how I do it. I have attracted so many sisters, like just out the blue, you know, just. People that get it, you know, like people like understand my messaging people that, you know, they're like, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. I do that too. Like, you know, oh, and you know, I speak on clubhouse a lot. And so even there, I'm sharing it in my back channel, like women are, you know, messaging me like, oh, wow. Like I can feel things too. Oh, I see things too. I have visions as well. And I'm like, great. Use that. Right. Don't hide it. And so the people that I am here for, I am here for, you know, And the people that I'm not, I'm okay with that too. Like, I'm good. You know, I know that I'm not meant to work with everyone and I'm okay with that. You know, everyone's not meant to work with me and I'm okay with that. And so, you know, you just have to become okay with yourself. And once you become okay with like with yourself, because that's what it is. When you hide, you're not okay with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so like when you become okay with yourself, then it won't matter what anyone else thinks because you're good and you're okay with yourself. So, you know, I think that's a key thing to remember that we have to work on becoming okay with ourselves, flaws and all. You know, I used to hide my trauma because I was like, I'm a therapist. If I tell people that I've gone through trauma, who's going to want to work with me? Right. But the reality of the situation is when I started to open up, people started to connect like, oh, yeah, like you understand what I've been through. And so, even for you, Nicole, like use that, like use your story. Right. Because somebody is waiting for you to share your story so that they don't feel like they're abnormal, right? So that they understand that they're not alone. And so that's the thing that I think we have to remember is that in your story, there's a level of connection to other people that are waiting for you to share your story so that they don't feel alone.
0: All right, look, this is this not what this was about, Dr. Finnegan. Now you ain't gonna come up in here and look. <laughs> I received, I received. <laughs> But you led right in. You led right into our next thing, right? So knowing yourself, right? Talking about knowing yourself and how it's an important part of personal development. Now, let's talk personal development. So you led into it. Talk to us more about this than any advice you have in relation to getting to know yourself or figuring out that you don't know yourself.
1: Right. So... So many of us, right, are living these lives that we were told to live or that we were shown to live, right? So many of us have, you know, shoot, student loan debt because we've gone to school and gotten these degrees thinking that, okay, I'm supposed to get this degree or, you know, I, my life is supposed to look like this instead of getting it in things that make you feel good, right? Or that feels right for you. You know, so many of us are in relationships because we think that, you know, we have to meet this whole like status quo and you know if we don't then it's wrong right so it's crazy because and and, and I'm <laughs> I'm gonna bring this all back but it's crazy because you know during you know the COVID lockdown there were so many divorces right so many people were getting divorced and it was because they finally had to be home with each other and spend time with each other and know that I don't really like you no, like oh. this is not even Oh, like, I don't even know you. Right? right. Furthermore, I don't even know myself. Right. So because now I'm home and I can't be distracted by, you know, going out and spending money and buying stuff and doing right, because we get distracted into doing so that we don't have to face ourselves. But so many people found themselves. Right. Which is why we have a lot of the great resignation, because it was, you know what, I don't really like what I'm doing. Or I'm not really happy. This is not really feeding me, right? This is not really something that I want to do. So first things first is that understanding that you are forever changing, right? I am not the same person now that I was when I first came on this podcast, speaking to you, Nicole, because I've either said something that has triggered something inside of me or you've said something that's triggered something inside of me. So when I leave this space from being with you, I am not going to be the same person. What that means is that every now and then you got to take some inventory, right? You have to take time to figure out who you are there, right? What is the growth that has occurred? What does that growth look like? You know, the simplest thing for me is I grew up eating scrambled eggs. My mom, she like she scrambled eggs. That's what we ate. And I remember, you know, going to Costa Rica and the woman, it was like a chef and she like she cooked. And for breakfast, she made us like the most amazing thing ever. And it was fried egg with rice and beans. And I was like, this is crazy, but it's so good, right? So if you've never had it, please try it. So, (laughs) so, but tasting the fried egg, I was like, "Mm, this is delicious, right? And so when I came back from Costa Rica, that's all I ate from moving forward was fried eggs. And to this day, right, I still don't get scrambled eggs. Because I realized that I was eating scrambled eggs because that's what my mom cooked, right? But what I prefer is that fried egg, right? It's that simple. So we, you know, we're around people, we're influenced, we pick up things, we're told things, we shape and form our lives, right? Based on like who we're around, our environment, things we see. And at some and our, I really honestly, like urge people to at least once a year Mine is usually my birthday when I do an inventory and I'm like, okay, girl, what's going on with you right now? And are you where you want to be in your life? And I don't mean, you know, financially, but are you the person that you want to be? Do you show up the way that you want to show up? Are you practicing good character the way that you want to practice it? You know, how are you treating people? You know, I take an inventory and I really assess like, you know what? I like this or no, I don't like this or you know, why do you do certain things, right? Is it because you really want to do it or are you doing it to make someone else happy? And so every year around my birthday, I do that. And what it causes me to do is in some relationships, it causes me to change some pattern and it causes me to every year, I take on one thing about myself that I want to work on. And then I work on it for that whole year until, you know, my next birthday. And so I would say that we have to take time with ourselves We have to take time to really look at, you know, are we showing up the way that we want to show up? But the biggest piece is you have to be okay with being honest with yourself, because the 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 thing is that there's good, there's bad, there's ugly, right? And you can't escape it because it's a part of you, right? But you have to be again, you got to be okay with it. No one else has to be okay with it, right? You have to be okay with it. And as long as you're okay with it, then you know, then we're good. I had to realize that. For me, I didn't like the response in myself that I would get from being around my bonus children's mothers and, you know, like the things that they would do, they were able to trigger me and I didn't like that. Right. And I was like, oh, like and so I had to work on that, you know, and really say, well, why are you triggered? Like, what is it exactly? And I had to like, you know, work on it and let it go. So now, of course, it doesn't happen. But you know, the point is that being, you know, introspective and really taking the time to look inward, right? That self awareness, which a lot of times, again, we avoid because it's not always pretty, you know, it's not always beautiful, you know, and so we avoid it. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. But at some point, I would say that you have to deal with it, and you have to be okay with whatever it is that you find. And then if you don't like it, then just choose to work on it.
0: Right. Right. I love that. I love that. As I was listening, I heard like ignorance is bliss. Right. But ignorance can also be misery. Right. So then it also made me think I was as I was listening to you, like self-hate is what came to my spirit. Right. Like a lot of people walk around hating themselves and don't even Mm -hmm. I don't even do they even know they hate themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's what came to me there. And I love your advice. Do an inventory. Look, now you don't gave me two homework so far. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I love that. Do an inventory and put a date on it. Right. Like how do they say the smart goals has to be timely, yeah. like putting that time around it to where, oh, yeah, going back even to therapy, like I'm going to do that. Right. Yeah. But something you do yearly on your birthday, I think that's super cool. Right. New Year's, whatever day you want for you. Every year, every six months, Mm -hmm. look, every three months, however much you need to do it, right? I think that's great advice. All right. So you led into the next thing, right? You briefly mentioned money. So let's talk money and trauma, right? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most entrepreneurs want to acquire more funds, but, you know, does trauma get in the way of that? Tell us more.
1: Yeah. So, you know, again, it's, you know, what were you shown? What were you taught? What were your experiences? Because those are the things, like I said, that live in that subconscious. And so I've worked with entrepreneurs and it's like, yeah, I need to make more money. But mentally, they tell themselves that they can't or they tell themselves that whatever it is that they, their product or their service is not worth it. Who's going to buy this? Why would people you know, support me? Why would people listen to my podcast? Why would people take me seriously? Right. And then also you have that imposter syndrome, you know, like having the experience, having the credentials, having the knowledge, and it's still feeling like I'm not good enough, right? No one's going to listen to me. Why would people want to listen to me? And so it impacts that trauma, right? The things that we've been through, the things that we've experienced, it sends a message to us. And that message can be, you know, I need to hold on tight to my money, right? And so... For me, you know, watching my mom work 12 to 14 hour days growing up, you know, we never really saw her. She left at 5 a.m. in the morning and we didn't see her till like 7, 8 p.m. at night. And because of that, you know, she worked, worked, worked. And I've worked since I was 14. I remember being in my doctoral program. And I mean, I'm working um, a full time job. And then I had a contract because I still I had my business and I had a contract at a school. And so I was leaving my full time job, eight hours, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., going to the school from 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., and then having to go home and sleep and study and go to class and then go back to work at 11 p.m. I remember going to see a play and I remember sitting in the front seat of the play and falling asleep in the play, right? Because I'm exhausted, right? And my job at the time was like 45 minutes. From my house, right? And I'm driving 11 p.m. You know, at night. I remember driving and my eyes like closing and just craziness, right? Insane. Huh? But what that came from was me thinking that the only way that I can take care of myself and reach my goals and accomplish things that I need to accomplish is to work hard. So the message was translated, work hard, right? To take care of your family. And we, you know, growing up, I grew up in Brooklyn in the 80s, you know, during the crack epidemic. So it wasn't nothing lavish. You know, my mom, she was working all these hours, but we didn't live lavishly. And, you know, we weren't rich and, you know, we had everything we needed. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, well, what were you working so hard for? You? <laughs> <laughs> like, like what? Like what exactly was there? You know, so so I had to like break through that because another thing that they caused me to do was underspend. And so I held onto to my money like really tight. You know, because I was scared that I didn't want to be broke. And I was like, if I invest in myself, if I invest in my business, if I, you know, take these courses, if I get this coach, if I, you know, hire this person that's going to help me, right? Oh my gosh, like I'm going to be broke, right? Or I'm not going to have a certain amount of money that I want. And so I was an underspender, right? But then you have people who overspend because of their financial trauma and, you know, they're compensating. And again, it's like easier. To you know, that's the distraction. Let me buy this and buy that, and I wanna appear that I have it all together, or you know, let me just go shopping and shopping will fix everything and it makes it all better. And you know, they don't have a budget, right? Then you have people who avoid, you know, they're like, I don't want to talk about money, I don't want to think about money, right? I don't want to see bills, I don't wanna, you know, there was a client <laughs> that I had, right? And so like, this is where my intuitive piece like kicks in and people are like, oh, shoot. And so like we jump on our first call, our first session. And she's just talking, you know, and I'm like, tell me, you know, what's going on? She's like talking and she's just talking, talking, talking. And she finished talking. And I said, hey, I need to do me a favor. She says, "Okay." OK, I need you to take the computer and scan the room that you're in. And so she's like, huh, scan the room. And I said, yeah, I need to see the space that you're in. And so like, she's, she's like, OK, she's like, I don't really want to, you know, she's laughing. She's like, oh, my God. I'm like, no, nope, just do it. Just do it. And I said, what is that? That she says, my office. And I said, yeah, I was like, I need to see it. And I could feel right that it was just cluttered. Right. And so like she's showing me. But that wasn't even the biggest part. She's showing me the room and it is cluttered There's stuff everywhere and it's not organized. And there's a pile of papers on her desk. And so, like, she tries to go past that part like super fast, right? And I'm like, hold on, go back, go back. And so she like turns back and I like, what is that? And she says, oh, those are bills. And I said, uh huh. And so, a part of my program is we work on finances, you know? And so I was like, <laughs> okay. So I was like, we got to go through that. Like, that's going to be like one of the first things we do is go through that. And a lot of it was, you know, pass due notice and, three notices for one thing. And, you know, so I kind of helped her to organize her finances and, you know, get her on a budget. But, you know, the point is, for her, it was avoided. And so one of the things that she had to do in each session with me, right? <laughs> each session. We had to go through the balances of her debt. Every single time we met, we went through those down. And it was so effortless. It was so uncomfortable for her. And then eventually she was like, okay, so this is what I did this week. And I paid it off. And I paid it. And you want to know Why? because now she had someone that was checking, right? She had someone that she was accountable to. And so she felt like, you know what, let me do this because I don't want to come back to this next week when we meet and tell her that I didn't put any money towards my debt or I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And so then it became her and it became a pattern of her now checking her stuff. And by the time we finished, like she was checking her balances every day and, you know, she's doing all these things. And I was like, great. So avoidance for her, right? And then another thing that you know people can do is hide it if they're in a relationship you know like i'm gonna buy this or buy that i'm not gonna talk about finances to my partner or this is not a part of our relationship you have your finances i have my finances and i'm always leery like when people do that because i'm like okay what's happening in the finances that y'all can't communicate about finances right so (laughs) so i'm always like so that's always like a red flag for me right so When it comes to their money trauma in a relationship with money and the way that they view money. And I tell people money is just paper. It has no energy, right? It's our energy that we put behind it, our thoughts, our feelings, right? That creates the energy for the money. You know, I have people who think it makes no sense for me to make money because anytime I make money, something comes up. Well, have you ever realized that maybe you're making the money to cover the things that are coming up, right? It's not that, It's not the other way around. It's not that the things happen because you make the money. Maybe you make the money to make sure that things can happen and that you can cover it, right? And so like you have people who just, you know, look at money as, you know, religiously, I've heard that, you know, money is the root of all evil. And first of all, that's not what the scripture says anyway. But the point is that because of that, right, you have people who have this fear of making money because they think it's evil, right? But money doesn't carry any energy. So money itself cannot be evil, right? We have to be real conscious about the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions that are tied to the way that we view money and our response to money and our relationship with our money.
0: Look, I (laughs) feel like I need to book a call because you done profiled me. I'm feeling some kind of way. Let's talk self-care. So. Talk to us, just quickly brush on why you feel self-care is needed to be a successful entrepreneur and then follow that up with what your favorite self-care practice is and why.
1: So self-care, and I don't feel like I do enough of it,
0: just, you know,
1: if I'm just being honest. And I don't feel like I do enough of it because it's usually the first thing that goes for me. If it's like the baby is sick and I got to take my big son to the doctor and You know, I got to cook dinner and whatever the case may be, usually. And I'm like, oh, I was going to take a bath, you know, today, which is my favorite self-care activity. But, you know, if I'm like, oh, I was going to take a bath. But then I'm like, no, girl, you can't take a bath because you got to do this and do that. Right. And that's how most of us do. And so one of the things that I'm doing actually right now is restructuring my schedule. Right. Getting rid of stuff that no longer makes me feel good. Right. It's stuff that don't feed me. I got to shift that stuff off my calendar because it's taking up space. And self-care is going to be something that is put on my schedule. I'm going to have days where it's like, I don't do anything because that day, all I'm doing is taking care of me. And I don't mean just going to get manis and petties. You know, it's me, for me, one of the things that feels great to me is nature. And so me being able to go on a hike and, you know, sit in nature and, and give my frustrations and my emotions to nature, right? And I, for me, that feeds me, me being able to take a walk, you know, those are things that help me, me being able to travel, you know, traveling for me is a form of self-care, me being able to just not do anything, you know, not be obligated, not have anything on my schedule because my schedule, if I show you it's insane, you know, but me having days where there's nothing on my schedule is a form of self-care. And even if for that day, I just want to sit and lounge and catch up on watching force, you know, I can do it. That's important to me. My son going to school, you know, three year old, it's the form of self care because I'm like, listen, you got to get up out of here. So, you know, like I'm very intentional about what I need in the moment to make me feel good. Right. To me, that's what self care is. And so, you know, sometimes it's like, you know what? I want a really good meal today. Right. That's a form of self care for me. So I'm going to go get my meal. For me, it's, cook tomorrow. So we're going to eat out. And, you know, having for us, we have one day in the week where we eat out. That's a form of self-care, you know, because I need that, you know, and having the space to say this right now doesn't feel good to me, so I'm not going to do it. For me, that's what self-care is and honoring that in myself and not doing it.
0: Right. I, like, I like that. And all those different suggestions, right? Write them down. Look, try them out. See if you like them for yourself. And I love your transparency in relation to this is something I need to get better at, right? Because I feel like a lot of people in the entrepreneurial journey and just in the life journey, I think it's a woman thing too, right? Yeah. Like a lot of women, like we just put ourselves alas for whatever yeah. reason, right? We're socialized too. And, you know, we're
1: socialized to do that. And so we have to be really, you know, cognizant. But what I do with the women I work with is, you know, give yourself 30 minutes a day. It's one of my pet peeves. People are like, girl, you need to go do this and go, you know, look, I'm a mom, a wife, a business owner. You know, I'm a department chair at a school. I have things. I'm busy, right? So the reality of the situation is I can't always take two hours every day to do something. But 30 minutes, right? It may be me getting my favorite drink at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. It may be me, you know, just taking 15 minutes and reading a book. You know, for me, that's like, you know, my son, he goes to speech therapy. And when I'm waiting for him to get out, it's 30 minutes. I read, right? So I take my book and I read. Because for me, it's like, oh, yes. So your self-care may be, look really different. And you have to be realistic, for yourself and don't set these expectations just because other people tell you that this is how it's supposed to look, right? What works for you?
0: All right, y'all. That's how. That's our third homework, y'all. We got three so far. I think it's more, but you know, I'm counting three on my list. Y'all, send me an email and let me know how many you got. As a bonus, let's talk celebrating wins. So, tell us about your latest win and why it's important to you. My latest win
1: is actually prior to me being the department chair, I was the director of the doctoral program. And as recently as last week, I resigned from that position. And in doing so, it was really about me choosing myself and betting on myself because I have never really bet on myself completely. As I told you, you know, I've always like I've had a job and then I had the business. And so it was, you know, for me, it was, I need to give myself this chance to show up in my business 100% because I deserve that. And so I would say, you know, me choosing to bet on myself and, you know, just know that, hey, you got this, you can do this. And, you know, just being assured in that and affirming myself was definitely my latest
0: win. Oh, mm, congratulations! I like thank that. You, I like you. that. <laughs> Listen, all thank right. You, thank you. You're welcome. Look, I love that's that's another homework. Look, better on ourselves, y'all. We gotta do this thing thing. All right. So tell us what a win her means to you.
1: So being a win her to me means that you know, as a woman, you show up for yourself, like you, regardless of. You know, what's happening around you, regardless of, you know, what someone has told you, regardless of, you know, all of that, you show up for yourself. So you have that faith in yourself. You believe in yourself. You're your own ride or die. You push forward for yourself, like, regardless. And you know how to say, you know what? I can't be the everything for everyone because somewhere in there, I got to be the everything for me. (laughs) So, so for me, you know, being a win her is about, you know, choosing to show up for you and loving it regardless of what it is, right? If it's just, if it's that business, if it's that, you know, Hey, I want to go back to school, whatever it is, giving yourself the chance and really showing up for yourself.
0: Yes. All right. Now. OK, so two last things. Right. Then I'll let you go. Right. Because I like the thought we you know, we got a little match going on over here. Right. we would be on we would be up here for a while. So, Dr. Fanique, let us know any parting words or advice you have and then where we can find you online, social media and all that good stuff.
1: So my advice would just be to have grace with yourself. And, you know, practice compassion for yourself as you would practice compassion with someone else because life is hard enough. You know, like we, we go through things and if you're beating yourself up and the world's beating you up and, you know, you're at work and, you know, you're feeling beat up and, you know, the business sometimes can feel like it's beating you up. Where do you go for that protection? And so you have to be that protection for yourself first and foremost. And so I would say that is, my biggest advice is to just have compassion for yourself and allow yourself the space to not always quote unquote, get it right. I know that's hard for, you know, those high achieving, you know, overachieving women, but you know, you have to take a step back and allow yourself the space to have those moments. To find me, Dr. Finike, D R F. A-N-I-K-E. That's my tag like everywhere on Instagram and Facebook and Clubhouse. On LinkedIn, it's Dr. Finike, Iara Olufala Young, and my website, drfinike.com. You know, that's the easiest ways to find me. IG, I'm always on there. So yeah, feel free to follow me and send me a message and let's talk. You know, let me know what you think. I also have a free quiz on my website for anyone that, you know, is unaware if they have experienced any type of trauma in their life that's a good place to start too
0: all right yeah y'all i done took dr finique quiz today (laughs) she don't know but i took it earlier today it's a very quick quiz right and it'll let you know if you need to get your life together but uh, (laughs) thank you so much dr finique so many gems and insight truly appreciate you spending your time with us no problem thank you so much for having me Listen, Dr. Panique going to be at the summit, y'all. Y'all better get y'all a ticket for the Winners United yes, Virtual yes. Summit. Listen, <laughs> you see, she, she got us straight together. She's going to get us together again. I really enjoyed this interview with Dr. Fanique, and I hope you did as well. My takeaway for today is that I need to address some of the traumas I have experienced and didn't realize they were traumas. I really appreciate how Dr. Fanique broke down how trauma can look different in different instances, which opened my eyes to some of the healing that I need. What's your takeaway from this episode? Send me an email and let me know. My email is whenherzunited at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. One of my models is sharing is caring. So I sure hope that you care to share. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode to read Dr. Finike's full bio, get the cash app handle for WinHers United, get the direct link to my Buy Me a Coffee page, get your ticket to the WinHers United Virtual Summit, get the WinHers United email, and much more. We'll be back in two weeks with another amazing winning woman of color entrepreneur. But until then, as always, be empowered and empower on.